We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon. Hey, it's great to see you today. I'm Pastor Rob, and I just have the the opportunity and so grateful for it to be able to take us to our final sermon in our So True, So False series that we've been in. It's all about our identity because identity is so, so very important, how we view ourselves, how God views ourselves as well. And so as we look at that, I want to ask, how many of you have played around with that face app that's been going around? Or at least you kind of know what it is, all right? Well, there's this app, and it's nothing new. In fact, it was created um, 2017, but I guess some people have been convinced that it was created by the Russians to steal our identity, so you know what? Some people haven't been using it for that reason. But there's some great ones out there. And I saw Pastor Mike, our Waterford campus pastor, um, go ahead and use that app. And what it does does is it shows what you'll look like like 50 years down the road. So you people in Waterford, you need to be a little bit kinder to Mike, okay? But, but yeah, Mike, you're in there, right? You can, you can see that resemblance there. You know, I thought, man, Mike's a, a good man, bold man for doing that. I thought, you know what? I should probably do this myself. And so I thought, I'd like to see what I'm going to look like, you know, 50 years. I figured, not too bad, not too bad. The goatee kind of stayed the same, you know? And I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. What is the appeal of those things? We all want to know who we are, and we want to know who we are becoming as well. And it is so, so very important, not so much physically, but right in here, in our heart. And that's really where identity is and where it lies. And so I, I want to throw this out there for you. As Pastor Guy started us out in this series, it's so very important that we remember something that Jesus is trying to help us remember, and that is, who am I? And we have a series maxim that is something we have to remind it of regularly when we ask that question, and that is this, God has the true authority to define us. Would you say that with me? God has the true authority to define us. Never forget that because you're going to be pulled away from that. You're going to be pulled away by the world. You're going to be pulled away by Satan himself. You're even going to be pulled away by your own thoughts to think contrary to what God thinks of you and describes you as. And so we've learned a lot of great things. In week one, in fact, we learned that God says everyone who has received Jesus is a child of his. We also learned in that next week that everyone who's received Jesus is defined as in Christ. Then just last week we learned this, that he describes us as the body of Christ or a church member. Well, today we're going to find something a little bit unusual, and that is that Jesus describes us and he uses a metaphor in order to do that. So I want you to think of, if you could describe yourself, you know, usually we put that name tag on our chest and we have our name on it. I am blank. But rather than use your name, if you could pick a metaphor, what would you use? A metaphor is something like, you know, if you were to say, I'm just a big teddy bear. 
It'll show a lot about what you think of yourself or maybe even how you've been influenced by what others have said about you. But what would that metaphor be? In a moment, we're going to look because Jesus actually uses two metaphors to describe all Christ followers, every single one of us. And he does it in a very powerful way because he wants to grab our attention and help us be reminded of something that we often forget. So where does he do that? He does that in the book of Matthew in something called the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to grab a Bible if you would. If you've got one, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of the ones that you'll find in the seats in front of you or maybe you're handed one on the way in. And you can turn to page number 1378 and that's where you'll find Matthew chapter 5. As I mentioned, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most popular teachings. Not a fancy name by any means. But we find out why it's called the Sermon on the Mount in in the very first verse of Matthew chapter 5. And you can kind of tell by the name itself why it might be called that. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. He went up to get away a little bit and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So he didn't stop teaching. He just took a smaller group of people, his most intimate followers, Those who had committed their lives to him, those who were in Christ, those who were part of the body of Christ at that time. And he begins to teach them. We find that teaching happen right away, but I want to jump down to verse number 13. We're going to see these two metaphors. He says this, you are the salt of the earth, but as the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Did you catch it? There they are, right there, straight in front of us. He even gives us a hint. He starts by saying, you are. You are what? He says, you are salt and you are light. Now, with any metaphor, some are easier to figure out than others, right? Who doesn't want to be light anyways, right? Light is pretty cool. It's like, man, it has a lot of power. It can push out the darkness. It allows us to see things that we wouldn't be able to see um, any other way. It's like, I don't mind being called light. In fact, how many of you ever taken and looked up your name and looked at the meaning behind it? Anybody do that? It's as if, you know what, we thought that our parents actually had any kind of intentionality when they picked our names, right? When in reality, they just named you after someone else, probably. I don't think they looked up the definition ahead of time. In fact, I'm convinced my parents didn't. Mine comes from a German origin. There's no German in me at all, I don't think. But they called me Robert. And Robert actually comes from two words smashed together, meaning bright fame. I am a light. Thank you, God. I stand up a little bit more proud, thinking I am a bright light. Any other Roberts in the room? All right. Campuses, any other Roberts? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Bright fame. My parents are very disappointed with me, I'm sure, right now. I went on to read, and I shouldn't have, because I went on to read what I found out is this. The name Robert was very popular in the years 1925 and 1950. It's like, wow, that's a while ago. Hmm, okay. Then it went on even a little bit more and began to tell me a little bit more about that. 
named Robert. In fact, back then, it was one of the top 25 for a whole century. But it's become a classic. Classic, like classic car, like classic music, which means another word you're thinking of right now is what? Old. Old. Robert is old. And then the dagger comes. As the article goes on, it started out really, really good. Really good. It says, though lo- no longer stylish. What? What? What are you saying? You see the light just going out of me, don't you? But that's okay. Because you know what? God had intentionality when he named us. Not the name that you're going to put in that blank. But he says, you are light. We are all light. Not just the Roberts. All of us are light. And that is so important because our world needs light to push out the darkness. He says, not only are you light. The next one's a little bit harder, isn't it? He says, we're the light of the world. We are the light of the world. But he also says, we're salt. I don't know about you, I kind of scratch my head with this one. You get to actually be Himalayan pink salt today. (laughs) You are salt, and don't you kind of think, I don't know if I want to be salt. Can I be light but not be salt? No, you can't. He says, you are salt. You begin to think, how am I salt? No, that's exactly what a metaphor is supposed to do. It's supposed to push you to think, to think, if Jesus is going to call me salt, I better figure out what that means and how am I salt? So I began to look at salt and to see what is this about salt that maybe Jesus is trying to explain to me and tell me. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth. And in my search, I began to find out some things I'd never heard before even. Do you realize salt is necessary for life? It is the only trace mineral that you'll find in every single one of your cells. It is vital. You have to have it. Salt also was something that was a preservative. You know, before refrigeration, they used salt in order to keep things. It allowed armies to travel great distances during wartime. Salt was also something that was given to the troops as payment. It was of that much value. Can you imagine holding your hand out? And just having salt poured in it, say, there's your paycheck for the week. It's where are you worth your salt question comes from. Physically, it's of great value, vitally. But spiritually, it's just as vital. Because we need it for eternal life as well. And we need to be the light that God talks about. Salt is where we get our word salary. That's where it comes from. Great value. But there's a lot that goes into this salt that he wants us to understand, but he does want us to understand that it's vital for life. Jesus is telling us that if you've received Jesus, then you're light. If you've received Jesus, then you are salt, the salt of the earth, in fact. And so with that, if we could boil it down into one word, There's this characteristic that sticks out quite a bit about both salt and light. And that's this. They both have the ability to change things. You see, salt, what's that number one characteristic? Flavoring. Flavor, right? 
if something doesn't call for salt or if something doesn't have enough salt, what do we do? We get our grinder out, right? And we start grinding and we pour some on it and we add to it. Why? Because we want the flavor to come out. And just like then in the group that Jesus was talking to, he was saying, you are the flavor, the seasoning, the salt of the world. He says, you are light. And what's the number one characteristic of light? It illuminates. It shines. It shows things that are in the dark and makes them come out so that you can see them so you don't trip and fall. It allows great things to take place. But if you were to take both these, both these are showing that these have the ability to change things. We have a word for that today that I want to give you. It's called influence. You see, when Jesus is saying, you are salt, you are light, he is in essence saying, you are influential. He's saying, on your name tag, would you write, I am influential. Would you do this right now? Turn to someone beside you, in front of you or behind you, wherever it may be, and just look at them right now. And with all the pride within you, say, I am influential. Now, some of you are disgusted by that already, so let's flip it, okay? Now look at them and say, you are influential. You are influential. Now, some of us are like, but not me. I have no influence, and it's at that time that we need to bring ourselves back to our maxim, where we learn who has the authority to define you. Who? Come on, you better pass this quiz, or otherwise I'm going to have to tell Guy he's a terrible teacher, all right? It didn't sink in. God has the authority to define you, even more than you have the authority to define you. So when he says you are influential, you need to believe that and you need to take it and you need to run with it and you need to see what he wants you to do with it. Now, there's a lot at stake here we have to realize because it's not just a little influence. Your influence is necessary. It's necessary for the good of the world around you. It's necessary for the people in your home. They need it. The people that you work with, your neighbors, It is necessary for you to use the influence that God has given you to shine on him and to make this world a better place as a result of it and to bring people into eternity with you. You see how vital it is? God wants us to be able to see it because salt has that ability to cleanse. Light has that ability to push out darkness It has the ability when you are tempted to retaliate against someone else to offer them forgiveness instead. That is so important. And that's what salt and light do, is they influence. They influence all those around us. But you have to realize this. There is a lot at stake, and we can't afford to lose that influence because of that. But it can happen. And it's happening all around us because there are going to be things that pull you and me and everyone else away from God rather than towards him. We need to combat that with our influence because if that happens, you will lose your flavor and you will lose your illumination capabilities. And that's the sad thing when it happens. The passage told us that, puts it this way, it says in verse 13, But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Not a pretty picture, is it? Then in verse 14, he says, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That would be worthless, wouldn't it? We've learned true children don't ever stop being children of God, but they can lose their influence. They can. And God doesn't want us to lose that influence. Again, there's too much at stake. We have a world that is dying and on their way to hell that needs to be saved. And God's going to use us to bring that message to them. But we're only going to do it when we decide to use our light, to use our salt in order to do so. And to be able to see that happen over and over and over again. But what does it take? What does it take? You are the light, you are salt, you are influential, that's so true. But Satan doesn't want you to believe that. He wants to convince you that you have no influence at all. He wants to convince you it's not your job to influence someone else. You don't need to tell people about Jesus. God will tell them himself. That's not true. Those are all lies. God's saying, yes, it is your opportunity. It is your responsibility. And we need to use it in that fashion. And so in order to do that, we need to realize there's some things that are required in order for that to happen. You see, a lot of times we get in our minds, influence is just being able to push my way and my power and my control on someone else. That's not influence. That's control. Influence is going to come, but it has some requirements in order for it to come. If you're going to have influence, one of the first requirements is this. Influence requires humility. We don't deserve the influence. It comes with the territory. And the time that we think that we deserve it is actually the time that we lose it. That's a hard thing. So how do we keep it? How do we stay in a place of humility? Remember this. You're the flavor, not the savior. And they're two different things. Salt is only the flavor. It will never be the savior. Can you live with that? If you need to be the savior, you're going to have a problem. And you won't have influence. Because even Jesus didn't push his savior status on people. He didn't. He allowed them to come to him. He didn't force people to be saved. He allowed them to come to him in relationship. We all know people we'd like to force into belief, but we can't, and it can't happen. It has to be done through humility, for us being willing to come to another person, not as if we know everything, not as if we're better than them, but actually to come to them because we care about them. That brings us to another requirement. It's called servant leadership. It's the leadership that Jesus taught. We need to lead like Jesus leads. You might say, well, how does Jesus lead? Well, he tells us, he shows us just a little bit further down, actually in another chapter, but same book of Matthew, 20, verses 26 through 28. Look at this. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. You've heard it before. If you want to be first, you have to be what? Last. That's how Jesus led. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to be served. If he wanted to be served, he should have stayed in heaven. Shouldn't have come down here. He became humble. 
And he came to this earth so that he could serve mankind, so that he could save mankind, so that we could have relationship with him. And he says, and the same is for you. If you want to have influence, you've got to serve. It's going to take excessive kindness at times. It's going to take bowing down on a knee when you see a child so they don't think you're a giant anymore and intimidated by you. It means giving a tip that someone is willing to work for and thankful that they served you for. It means walking around your neighborhood in hopes that you might see someone that you've never met even though you've lived there for 10 years beside each other and be able to ask them, hey, if you ever need anything, just give me a call. Here's my phone number. Rather than, oh, I hope I don't see anybody. Man, I'm embarrassed because I've lived here for 10 years and I don't even know their name. They might know my name, but I don't know theirs. To see how God's going to influence and use those things and use you personally is something that he wants us to do. And he wants us to be that salt and light, but it's going to take a servant leadership. How do you become a servant leader? You serve. You serve. We've got something called the Global Leadership Summit here. I've attended every year for, for over 20 years now. And the reason I do is because there are people who challenge me as a leader to be a servant leader, and to continue to learn from them how I can be. So even if you're in that place where you're saying, I'm not a leader, well, guess what? Learn from somebody who is. Come and join us for that Global Leadership Summit. Don't just take my word for it. Take a listen how it's had an impact on others as well. It's the Global Leadership Summit. It teaches you leadership, and leadership is not about authority and control. Uh, leadership's about humbling yourself and serving others. There's so many reasons to attend GLS. I've been in leadership many years. I have a team where people have been in leadership for one year, and we all come away with something that we can use. We take a group of about 20 of us that go from our different business units. We all come from different backgrounds and different roles within the company, different personal lives. Some are Christian, some are not. Um, and it kind of just brings us together as a team. It just kind of rejuvenates us and, and brings us together. It gives us another opportunity to get out of the confines of our office and, and have some team building activities. So that's, that's really kind of invigorating on, you know, spiritual, professional, as well as relationship levels. So you just meet people uh, like-minded. I think everyone's here with the same purpose. We all want to learn. We all want to do better. It's a very casual environment and I go there and I really, I'm there and I'm present there. You know, this is really inspiring. I think that's a new way of looking at something and then we'll kind of bring it into our team here. It's people focused versus product focused that transcends whether it's a small business or a large business. It's, it's relationship focused. You know, we get to host the Leadership Summit year after year and it puts it right here right here, easy access to it. They even give us a break on the cost of it. So I'd invite you, come on out and be a part of it. Be energized, continue to be challenged in being a servant leader. There's a priority code that you're going to want to write down as well. That'll give you a break on the pricing um, for that. But to be able to say, God, I want to grow. I want to grow in my influence. You tell me that I'm salt and that I'm light. But how do I continue to grow and to reach out and to see what you want me to do and how you want me to go about it as well? And to see what God does with that. 
Not only does influence require servant leadership, it also requires proximity. Proximity, being in the right place at the right time, inserting ourselves into a place. We must go into the world that is dying without the light and bring it to them. It's not going to just be picked up. It's not just going to be asked for. We need to bring it with us. There's a guy by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Maybe you've heard of him before. Simply said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. The darkness needs to be pushed back. It needs to be. And it's not going to happen by sitting back complaining and saying, man, our world's a mess today. It's not how it's going to happen. It's not going to happen by us forcing ourselves upon people. It's going to happen by us putting ourselves in close proximity with those who may not agree with us and showing them that we love them, showing them that excessive kindness, maybe even to the point where they ask this question, why are you doing that for me? And we simply are able to look at them and say, because God loves you and so do I. To allow God to work through us and to flow through us in those ways is something very special to be able to see happen. Jesus put it this way. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your what? Good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Many times we treat good deeds as if they're evil. And they're not. And God says, don't flaunt them, but allow them. Allow them to point people to me. Allow them to do it. Allow others to see something in you that causes them to wonder why and why you serve the God that you say that you serve and that you believe in. And to allow that to change not just your life, but their life as well. And so how do we go about that? We've talked about some ways that we do that on a personal level, but I want to talk a little bit about how we can do that together. For us to be salt and light to our community is great doing it as teams and together. To be salt and light in our community, it means we have to go into our community. And so we have a community impact team, actually, that has been working hard to put something together called Serve Week. And what we want to do with Serve Week is take August 11th through 17th and pour a bunch of salt into our community and pour a bunch of light into our community and see what God does with it. And so I'm asking you, would you commit two to three hours of that week, that one week in this year, and be salt and light? I'm talking to you, Muskego, as well as Waterford, and even if you're online, to go out in our community and see what God does with this. We have over 60 different options or opportunities, and we're partnering with some different public servants. We're partnering also with schools. We're partnering also with nonprofits who are doing amazing things in our community but need people to come alongside of them and to impact our community so our com- community realizes there's someone who cares about them. I mean, say, I care about my community. Will you show it? Will you show it? Imagine the difference we can make if we say we're going to, with all the intensity that we can, in humility, serve others during Serve Week. Do one of two things. Rather simple. Go to Next Steps right after service. You can talk to someone. Just ask them, can you tell me a little bit more about this Serve Week? How can I sign up for it? What's available for slots? If you can't go to Next Steps right after service, then do this before you lay your head down on your pillow tonight. Go to our website. You'll see something that looks like what's on the screen there that says Impact Serve Week, and you'll be able to scroll through and see. 
We're the church. We need to make a difference. We need to be salt and we need to be light. And if we do this together, that'll shine a whole lot of light. A light that will be unmistakable. But to be able to see that happen over and over again and see what God does with that is an amazing thing. You know, when salt touches something, it makes a difference, doesn't it? When salt comes in contact, it alters the taste. I learned that in a somewhat unusual way and then a very profound way when I was in Nicaragua. A couple years ago in Nicaragua, my, my second trip to Nicaragua, you know what they're known for? Coffee. Great coffee. And so they're serving coffee at every meal, you know? And so I go over, and my first experience there with salt, okay? I go over, and there's this nice bowl sitting by the coffee. They don't use salt shakers. <laughs> and there was a spoon in that bowl, and I don't even usually put sugar in my coffee. And I didn't put sugar in my coffee that day either. And I couldn't help but realize there is a taste in my mouth that should not be there right now. In that case, that was a very poor experience. But then, a team and I, a very small team and I, just a few weeks ago got back from the same place in Nicaragua. And I had this salt experience there that was like unlike any other and very much unlike that first one. You see, we have some partners there, Pastor Dennis and his wife Karen. And one of the reasons we had a small team is because we haven't been able to take a large team for over a year because politically it's very fragile there. And there's been a lot going on there that's been, been just horrific. And it cut off our group of people that are up in a mountain called La Esmeralda. And up in that mountain, they weren't able to see their friends and family. They weren't able to travel to go find that support that they were used to by the churches that were around them as well. And to top it all off, Pastor Karen, Pastor Dennis and Karen lost a baby during that time. So part of the reason we were there was to encourage them. But you ever have one of those times when you have full outright intention to encourage someone else and they end up encouraging you? It was unbelievable. Because if some of the things that happened to them would have happened to me, I would have hid my light, I think. Would have been tempted to pack it in and said, this is the God that I serve. But they didn't. They kept doing ministry. They're continuing to see God work. And the salt I'm talking about is this. This right here is Ashley. Two years ago, Ashley came to the clinic in La Esmeralda. When I say clinic, Fox River... You built a clinic in La Esmeralda, Nicaragua for the purpose that people could come there and receive the health care that they need in a very remote place. And so two years ago, Ashley comes to the clinic for a consult and she left with Jesus. Because when people come for a consult in our clinic that we built and that we continue to fund and that when you give through my gift for Jesus helps provide that health care, they also receive a message of who Jesus is and how much he loves them. So they get cared for physically and they get cared for spiritually. 
Ashley heard that, and she prayed to receive Christ. Her mother also prayed to receive Christ. And then just a little while later, they got baptized because they understood that they needed to go public with their faith. That's salt right there. That's light right there. It doesn't stop there. Because that happened two years ago. My salt experience was just this last time because we got to meet Ashley. And now Ashley is teaching children who Jesus is. She travels two hours every weekend to walk to La Esmeralda because her community is in another place called Las Nubes. And then during the week, she'll teach children in her own community about who Jesus is. And so many people are coming to know Jesus that there's going to be another church in Las Nubes that's going to take place. Because someone is not willing to hide their light. They're letting it shine. And it's shining in places that we'll never get to even. Some of us, many of us won't. But you see the power of salt and you see the power of light. God says, you, 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 you are, not you will be, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We need to go and we need to show love and we need to share Jesus. You may be someone who someone has tried to share Jesus with you and you wondered what in the world they were doing. And maybe you don't know him yet. I'm going to encourage you today to receive him as your personal savior. Will you? If you've already received Jesus, it's a simple ask of you. Will you be the salt and light? And in particular, let's make this simple. Will you serve with us during Serve Week so that we can be the brightest light to our communities that we can possibly be? And I hope you'll make that commitment today. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, I've never received Jesus. I actually have had someone try to tell me who he is. Maybe you didn't understand. Maybe you're offended by what they're saying. But you're in that place now where you're ready to receive him. Then I would encourage you to speak to God right now. You might say something like this. Dear God, I know that you love me. That you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross to give me forgiveness of my sin, to save me. And I want to receive that gift of salvation right here and right now. And I want to say thank you. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anyone here you'd say, that's me. Today I'm receiving Jesus as my Savior. Today. Okay. you're here today and you'd say, I need to be salt, I need to be light, and I'm committing, Pastor Rob, that I'm going to be that influencer, even when I don't feel like I'm an influencer, and I'm going to grow in that influence, I'm committing today to be exactly what God has called me. Would you make a commitment by raising your hand, saying, that's me, Pastor. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Lord God, we know that we need to be who you say that we are, so that people will see our good works, our good deeds, and glorify you. Help us to do that. We praise you. We thank you. In Christ's name, and all God's people said, amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. 
Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.